episode of neighbors talking shit how's everybody I'm doing Paul. yep and over I'm there Mary. how's it going yep that's uh that's my neighbor as is as it says in the title that's right <laughs> and it's, paul's it's, actually my neighbor but it's yeah and, okay. and and we're true neighbors she's not like caddy corner or across the street or the house behind me we're the only two houses on this block stretch of the block yeah we it's pretty much house. own the whole block man we're the yeah. we're the kings of the block yeah. Nobody messes with us too bad. No. And it's easier on me when I have to do the snow blowing because I can just come out and go all the way from my end down to your end and come right back. So it's nice and easy. I don't have to like chug through other people's sidewalks to get to yours. So it, it works out. It, it saves my life too, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I gotta I gotta make sure you don't uh take a spill or anything or get a <laughs> ticket. The city nah. city loves to charge us for uh you know. For, uh, not doing our work the breeze and they charge you in this town you know yeah you you were away for a little while i don't did i ever tell you you were away for a little while a couple years ago yeah. and um our favorite neighborhood person who will remain nameless she cut your grass because she was agitated it was too long <laughs> so it was I, okay that that makes yeah. sense now like i, I was can see yeah, i was sitting yep I was sitting outside one day and I seen her come over and start cutting. So I went inside. I said, I said, honey, honey, look, she's cutting his grass. She goes, Oh, I didn't think they were friends. I said, they're not. No. She goes, what a busybody!" Cause it wasn't that bad, but she went over there and cut it. And then it started to rain and she continued to cut it. And I was like, gosh. And Harvey had told me once before, Hey, there's like a hole or a pipe or something sticking out somewhere. So be careful if you ever cut yep. it. Yep. So I don't, no one told her, so I hope, you know, but yeah, she, she cut your grass while you were gone. And it, I was like, what the hell? Yeah, man? I, I had no idea. I thought it was the guy across the street, but that makes sense now. Cause she, well, we don't need to talk about <laughs> it, man, but I can just see her getting agitated. Oh my God, the grass is too long. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've lived in a lot of places, so I swear to you, if we ever did a top five list of list of nosy neighbors, she would hit all five spots on my list. Oh yeah, dude, for sure, man. I mean, I I've lived in some party houses and everything that that didn't have neighbors this bad. You know, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's a couple of them around here that that you know, like to be busybodies and call the cops, and uh, it's it's fun stuff here in the hood, man. Yeah, and, and and we're in a quiet neighborhood, you know. It's like, you know, I'd expect that kind of stuff down in the ward, which nobody knows what we're talking about, but but we do. So yes, that I'm expecting. You know, lots of but I when we first moved here in 2010, we lived in the ward. We were right at the corner of Racine and Lincoln. Boom. Okay. Yeah, I know where you're at. So and you know, my wife's car stereo got stolen. Yeah. 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 So people you've seen were, all the action down there. Yeah. Yeah. People I got many were, a story about the ward, you know, people, just, people were hanging out. We, I swear someone was coming and spending the night in our garage. And then, uh, somebody stole my daughter's skateboard right off of our porch and we were on the top floor. So they literally had to walk up a bunch of stairs to get in there. And I was like, son of a bitch. So yeah, that's why. So 
I'm glad I live where I live. It's weird how we're just a few basic steps away from the ward, but it's quiet here. Right. It's yeah. It's, it's a, a totally different world over here on this side. But, you know, I grew up in this town and, and Oak Hill was always my favorite street. And, uh, you know, just to, to be living here. Well, the only thing I know about this area and the only complaints I have is we got a lot of what you refer to them as Vin Diesel's in the neighborhood with their big old diesel trucks. Oh, God. Making, yeah. And then you got the no muffler guys up and down. And then yeah, I think there's two of those guys, but it's. And then the, according to my daughter who graduated from, you know, graduated from Craig. She says a lot of people, young kids, like to go up to the cemetery at, up the street to do their weed smoking and their uh, <laughs> yeah. fucking around stuff. So they go up no, to the I, cemetery. I did. I did. So in I see, youth. you know. In, in my some, youth. So yeah, we, we get a lot of traffic on this street, you know, like. Yeah. And then people driving at like fucking 90 miles an hour up and down the street. And just makes me feel like that old guy yelling to get off my lawn, you know, like just can't stand it yeah my my thing I, i'm one of those weird guys where it's like during the day it agitates me a little bit but at two o'clock in the morning if someone wants to screech down the road to 80 it's like it's annoying but i let it go because if yeah, your kids are probably five, do yeah yeah and if anybody around here has got little ones running around at two in the morning and they get hit i blame the parents more than the guy speeding because you know your kids should fair be in the point. fucking house yeah. fair point well, Okay. But my camera picks up. But my camera picks up the kids when they're walking. If they walk on my side, if they walk on the other side, walk across the street. Obviously, my cameras aren't that angled. But the, when the kids are walking, my doorbell picks them up. So I know when they're going to and from the cemetery to do their partying. So yeah, and there's certainly a lot of them. Yeah, but hey, that's neighborhood life, and that's a good way to start off a show. Right, right. The, neighbors talking shit. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and talking about our neighbors makes it even more talking shit. Right, right. All right, so what we... Okay, I'll explain it. Uh, we picked five influential albums. Not the top five, but the music that influenced us, influenced us somewhere in our youth. Um, it's not... What, 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 what were you saying? It's not like a definitive list. It's like a yeah. loose list. Yeah, it's not like a top five in any particular order, but it's kind of like a pick five of of albums that really impacted us and influenced us, you know, throughout our young lives. And I I went with more of the teenage years than than later on because there hasn't been much. So you know, if if you know my first pick, it, it's not necessarily the most influential album in my life. It was just another. You know, so it's just a, a random order five pick. Okay, that, that that's the way I went. Some of them are from, some of them are from my youth. Some of them are from my teen years. So yeah, I fluctuated, but I didn't go. I don't know about you, but when you get a certain age, nothing influences you anymore. You know what I mean? Except, it's like except I was going to put one album that did. Um, it didn't make my list, but you know how I feel about Twelve Foot Ninja. Uh, yes, the only band, the only group that has got me back into music and excited about music again. And, uh, you know, the album silent machine was going to be on my list, but that's the only one in the past, you know, 20 years I could, that I can think, uh, got me excited again, but you're right. 
you know, it, when you get older, it's just nothing, nothing bites you anymore, you know? Right. Uh, but now, unless it's a film, because, you know, like, well, yeah. you know, Serbian film, if that didn't, you know, make you freak out at fucking 50 something <laughs> years old, there's something wrong with you. Cause you know, that, yeah, yeah, that didn't to, cause a reaction of some sort. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I'd really want to be around you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Movie sticks oh, with you. Yeah. That one. And what, what, you know what? We won't talk about movies that, cause we can do a list of, so we won't, we brought up Serbian film. That's it. I was going to bring up another one, but then it made me think we could do that as an episode. So yeah, I'll stop. Yeah, it. disturbing movies or. Yeah. Uh, Cause there's Cause a lot a of. Couple. Yeah. I got definitely a couple that would make that list. Well, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and let you present your number five. Okay. My number five is nothing shocking by Jane's addiction. Uh, oh, this man. album was shown to me by my first girlfriend so you know it was like my my first love and everything and was you know all new and she was a cool you know heavy metal chick and showed me nothing shocking and it absolutely just blew my mind how amazing it was from start to finish it 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 felt like a, a, a totally different world you know at that point i was into thrash metal and and uh you know, a hard rock and hair metal and all this. And this felt like something completely different. So nothing shocking for me. Kind of feels like, you know, like what love sounds like, you know, like, uh, you know, just summertime, how the summertime feels and like summertime rolls and, and just, just amazing energy, amazing songs. And just that whole summer, it was, it was nothing shocking. And and the first live Jane's Addiction record and Ritual De La Habitual, and it just uh, it turned me into a lifelong fan, and definitely uh, was an influential album for me. So that I is actually, my number five pick. I actually did an episode. You're familiar with it, the music, the that my show, the music moment on B Movie. Yeah, I actually did this album. Oh, okay. I actually cool. did it. I'll have to if 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 you don't ever catch it in a rerun, I've got it right here in my hard drive. I can nice. put it on. I can put it on a memory stick for you, or just share it in Google because I did I did a whole episode on this one, and yeah, I love that album. Uh, uh, Mountain song. Oh yeah, uh, Ocean Size. Dad, Ocean Size. Ted just admitted. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Yeah. If, you, if you'd like to tell everybody uh, what that Ted Just Admit It song, who's that about? I mean, go oh, ahead yeah. if you'd like Ted to. Bundy, you know? Yes. You're find people turning up in canyons, people being shot, and I didn't do, you know, the whole deal. You know, it was so cool when I actually saw the, the Ted Bundy interview where he said that, and, you know, I thought it was cool, you know, because it was a sample, but then it's like, wow, dude, that whole song was, I thought it was initially about Ted Koppel, about like uh you know a newscaster you know uh you see sex and violence on tv and how it's you know sold to the public but then when you find out it's uh you know all ted bundy that's that's pretty crazy stuff Except, yeah i just wanted go ahead, go ahead. oh i was just the... gonna oh. <laughs> there's go. there's a lyric in ted just admit it that it took me 20 years to find this but a friend of mine showed it to me you, you know, he says, 
something about you look like a meatball. You got to look up the lyrics. He says something about, you know, you're a meatball. You look like a meatball. It's the only out of place lyric in the whole album. Check it out. Yeah, I only I I, I just brought that. I wanted to bring that up because, you know, because uh, of our age and everything, there might be I'm not trying to say anything, but there might be some people in the audience who are like, who's Ted? And then, you know, Ted, you know, because. Ted Bundy, I think, you know, everybody nowadays because of Netflix is, uh, you know, uh, Dahmer. Everybody knows Dahmer because, you yeah, know, they had to, you know, like, the hottest guy in the world to play Dahmer. It's like, you know, so now everybody, like, all the girls wanted to watch Dahmer because he was hot. It's like, why didn't they pick right. an ugly dude to play it? But but they did have the Ted Bundy tapes and stuff. And what's his name? Oh, Zach Efron. He played Bundy on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, so, so, no, I guess. Mark Harmon played him also back in that was back in the eighties. Yeah, Mark Harmon did a good job. Yeah, he was really creepy in that. I think that was called The Stranger Beside Me was the name of the movie. Yeah, that was the name of the book it was based on. Yeah, that was Uh, yeah, old Ted, man. He was definitely the creepiest, uh the scariest serial killer because he looks so normal and acted you know so suave and all that stuff and just he was just he, he did some crazy stuff cutting off heads and just i don't even want to get into it just look up ted bundy if you don't know who that is listen to yeah, jay's addiction first though yeah but it's yeah that i have to that's that that is a good album obviously our list won't be like our our uh Carpenter one because Carpenter had a limited amount of movies. We are bound to have crossover. I'm oh, even yeah. wondering if we will. But um, for me, my number five was Kiss Alive. Nice. Okay. Now the reason I picked this one is because I was as a kid. You know, my dad is in the record business, so as a kid, I would see his albums. You know, in the milk crates and this, that, and the other, and I would go through them, and I remember finding. You know the Kiss album, and I hadn't heard it, but I wanted to because obviously, you know, they looked different yeah, yeah. than anything I'd seen. Because this was the seventies, you know, I was used to seeing you know Rolling Stone album covers and you know nothing with guys looking like these guys. So one day, my dad played it for me, and I was like, "Okay, I like Kiss." But I went through his record collection one day, and I found the Kiss Alive. And that cover grabbed me. It grabbed me hard because it looked like so much action. And your me- my memory, my mind was like imagining all this stuff because you know they're rocking out in that photo. And that's what made me. Then I heard the album, and you can hear the audience. You can hear. I was like, I need to go see them. And I was little, so I said, I want to go see Kiss. And sure enough, my mom did take me to a Kiss concert. Obviously, it wasn't the tour from Alive because it was already done. But, well, yeah, it was way after, but you still got to it, see them in their it, prime, you know? Yep, and it was I my mean, first Kiss concert. It was the first... Um, Kiss was the first band that, you know, really introduced me to a, a harder... I'm not going to say heavy metal, but a harder... That rock and roll, like that, Rolling that Stones, and that could be harder. Yeah, yeah. and... Um, it was my introduction to live albums because I there were other live albums I do believe like I think Hank Williams Jr. did one. Yeah, Ario had a really Jr. good live album too. Yeah, 
but this right. was my first one. So yeah, you know, Kiss Alive is the definitive live album of of the seventies, I think. Right, and it's and and not every live album I've ever heard is perfect. I've heard some shitty, stinky ones, but yeah, this one too. was like, yeah. But this one, so that's why I picked this one. It really influenced me to want to, you know, until. I might have not. I might not have ever wanted to see a concert for the longest time until someone maybe invited me or took me. But this introduced me to what a concert is like without going to a concert. So right. therefore, it made me want to go. So that's why I picked Kiss Alive. It, it, it influenced uh, my little grandpa brain. So oh, and and I would agree. That's a that's a good choice. Uh, I you know I didn't get Kiss Alive for for many years later, but. You know, I was a child of the 70s also and obsessed with Space Ace. I had a big poster of Ace on my my wall when I was like three or four years old. And, of course, the only songs I knew from him were like Beth and I Was Made for Loving You because, you know, my parents weren't really heavy metal folks. But, you know, so I remember being in love with Kiss. I, I, I cried when Peter Chris quit. And, you know, he did that interview where, the first interview without his makeup and everything. And I remember being a kid just starting to cry because I didn't want to see Catman without his makeup. And uh God Kiss was so big back then. Well I did a I did a music moment of their first album because as much as this influenced me, if it wasn't for the first album, I would have never listened to this album. And believe it or not, my favorite song on that first album is Love Theme from Kiss. They don't even sing. It's just yeah. instrumental that, you know, down, 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 down. And I'm I like, I love that. Yeah. That's a great album. The first one's great, too. Yeah. So, all right. Well, all right. So that's number, number, fives. number four, this one flip-flopped on me. I was going to put one of my guilty pleasures on here, but didn't know how everybody would feel about it. So I changed it up to something a little different. Number four for me is Under the Influence by Overkill. Uh, this album, you know, I was already into Metallica and Megadeth at that point. And this album, a friend of mine tr wanted me to trade it for Night Songs by Cinderella. Cinderella is a great band, but I was like, wow, dude, Overkill, you know, this is real heavy metal. What's this all about? And, you know, I, I got it and it really kicked off kind of an obsession for me because Overkill became my favorite band. Uh, I immediately went out and bought Taking Over. The song Drunken Wisdom was the first song I ever learned how to play on guitar. Um, and, you know, bought Years of Decay the day it came out, bought Horoscope the day it came out. Um, and just, you know, my teenage years. I was always the overkill guy, you know, I mean, people would call me mega Josh and all that. Cause I listened to Megadeth and wore Megadeth shirts all the time, but overkill was always where it was at for me. You know, that New York hard sound, you know, his voice, a lot of people don't dig it, but to me, man, that shit overkill was where it was at. So overkill under the influence is number four. Did you have an overkill shirt to go along with your Testament shirt? I did not. I never had an overkill shirt. I had an, a, a jacket with an overkill patch on it. But, uh, you know, I was always a bigger kid. So, you know, I had to go with what I could find and uh, just never had an overkill shirt. Just 
Testament, though, you know, I had a couple of those and wore them all the time. And I was that yeah. guy. Yeah, I brought that up last night on the show right. when I played when I played the Testament song. And I said, you know, in our circle of friends in the 80s, there was always that one guy who wore a Testament shirt. Every right. time you saw him, it was a Testament shirt. He could be in the car jamming to freaking wing or, or rat or something, but he still had his Testament, Testament. shirt. Yep. Yeah. And if it yeah. wasn't me in that crowd, I, I knew two or two, three other guys. It was the same way. So I hell, I remember going to, to see uh I saw Bon Jovi when Guns N' Roses opened for him. I do oh, believe wow. it was nice. I do believe it was slippery. No, not slippery when wet. I think it was New Jersey. New Jersey was, tour, I, yeah. probably, yeah. And I remember seeing guys in there with testament shirts. I'm like, I think y'all came to the wrong show, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But no, they gotta represent, man. Testament was hardcore too. Testament, uh New Order almost made the list. But uh, hey, I had to go with Under the Influence instead with Overkill. because at, at least all the guys back in our day who are wearing Testament shirts, listen to Testament. It isn't right. like the Gen Zers now who would, might be caught wearing a Testament shirt. You're like, oh, yeah. you like Testament? What do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Name a song. Like a, a religious type thing or something. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what it is with the hair bands and the old metal, the metal bands. Everybody wants to wear their shirts. Alone, man, if you can't. If you're not into the band, don't even bother. Don't even wear the shit. But, you know, I mean, on the other side of that, if it gets them to start exploring those bands and discovering those bands and, and getting other people to start listening, yeah, you know, go ahead and wear the shirt, I guess. But if you're just doing it because, you know, Slayer looks cool on a T-shirt, you could lick my balls. Yeah. yeah. I'm not running around with a... With a, you know, I don't even know what the bands are now. I was gonna say in sync, but that's that's nineties. So no, I don't even man, know what they, 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 you hear this ice spice thing. I, I don't even want to get into it, but <laughs> and that's I, I I wanted to be cool and hip, so I I checked out Ice Spice. One of one of these new people that that are out. And I shit. I thought I needed Geritol, man. <laughs> I get out of this. It's pure crap. I'd rather listen to myself take a crap, actually. <laughs> but no, Overkill's a good band. I I don't I don't hear a lot of people. I'm gonna have to play a play some of their stuff for you. Yeah, pick a song or something. Maybe I'll pick some off this album for you on Wednesday. Yeah, drunken, I, uh, drunken wisdom, man. Because I I haven't heard I haven't heard them in a long time. I mean, I have their I have an image of all their shirts and records because they had really yep. kick ass album covers. Yeah, dude. Their, it, lo their logo kicked ass. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the under the influence album cover was, it was cool. You know, it was like one of those iron maiden covers had the big, the big skull with the wings and shit. Pure 80, 80s heavy metal kids stuff, you know? Yeah. Now, have to see it. Compared to what was going to be number four, you know, well, you know, just overkills where it's at. Okay. Well, so, well, what, what, you got? What, well what was going to be number four? I mean, I'll call you well, out. You don't. You don't have to say. I'm just. Saying. We'll we'll save it for the end. We'll save okay. it for the the guilty pleasure round. I I don't want to okay. mix my. I don't want to mix it with overkill. All right. No 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 sacrilegious stuff going on. So yeah, you can save right. it for later. Yeah. All right. Well, my number four is probably going to make your head spin or at least make you scratch your chin and go, what the fuck? But 
I don't even know if you've heard of this album. It's called Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. Have you ever heard of it? Hell no. What is that all about? That's a monkey's album. A monkey's album, man. You're one yes. of those guys, huh? Yeah, I I got another buddy that's totally into the monkeys, but go ahead, man. I'm kind of I'm intrigued. I was going through some cassettes my dad had, and I saw this one, and I knew what a Pisces. What my brain went to the Aquarius song at first when I saw it. You know, Aquarius. Right, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I was, yeah. So I was like, oh, this must be that. So I pulled the cassette, not thinking, put it in there, and I was listening to it. And I actually dug the hippie trippy kind of songs that were on there. And I'm like, I was like, who are these people? Oh, that's the monkeys. I'm like, well, who are the monkeys? So that's when my dad said, told me who they were, and then told me, hey, Saturday afternoon, I'll show you something. Because it was on syndication. I just got lucky. Timing was right. So he showed me an episode of The Monkees. And I was like, holy shit. I thought it was hilarious. I loved it. So I was like enthralled. And I've been a fan of The Monkees ever since. I know there's only, what, one, two of them left. No, one of them. Davey. Uh, Yeah. 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 Nesmith died. Torque died. Yeah. So Davey's the only one left. No. And I I think Davey's gone too, right? No, I think Davey's still alive. Oh, I thought Davey. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, Davey one. is dead. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of uh, uh, the only one who's alive is the one who has the act, the daughter who acts. Do- uh, Dolanes, Mike, Mickey Dolanes, Mickey, Mickey Dolans. Yeah, Mickey yeah. Dolans is the one. Yeah, he was. Right. Uh, yeah, Mickey Dolans is still alive. Um, they did him. It was nice that Mike Nesmith and Mickey Dolans did a monkeys like thing. Yeah, before it wasn't Nesmith, too long. Right before, yeah. They both did they they both did a monkeys thing together. And then the other thing that I thought was very nice and sentimental is they both did an album where they sang the other guy's song. So Mickey had a whole album full of Nesmith songs that he performed. Right. And then Nesmith did it the other way and sang some of the Dolan songs. And I think he died before they came out. But I have been I went to their I went to their reunion the first time they got back together. Nesmith didn't wasn't there, but the yeah. the other three were. And I remember because Paul Revere and the Raiders opened up for him, and uh, uh, Herman's Hermits opened up, and me and my cousin went. And I was like, I watched the New Monkeys. I have the New Monkeys album. That was shit, but I still watched it. All right, right. But I've seen I've seen every episode. Back in a couple. I think back it was the back in the nineties. I don't know how many people remember. There was a website. We'll just call it Mega Upload. <laughs> yeah, I and I used to. Yeah, I went there and I got all the episodes. So and they look like crap, but I have them. But I was looking online for the TV show on DVD because it's out of print, and I, you know, I can't afford it. But my brain and my wife are like, "Are you out of your goddamn mind?" So I'm not gonna buy it. But it, I love the show. It influenced me. I went, like I said, I went to their reunion. I I have all their albums. I just, I just, I'm a big monkeys fan. And I know there's a lot of people that don't get it. There was a lot of people back then that didn't get it. You know, I, you know, all my friends were, you know, headbangers and they were like, why are you going to listen to that stuff? Like, what? what, I can't have a broad music taste. Yeah. yeah. See, I get it because I have uh, actually two friends that, um, 
they're just they're monkeys fanatics i mean they just well three or four actually and you know i i could i didn't get it myself per se too much but i respected it but they were really into it and i watched the tv show too and really enjoyed it but you know i'm more of a beatles guy than a monkeys guy you can be both of course but you know yeah i, I respect that do you remember uh mr dabalina mr bob dabalina yep yep right yep Did that you... was uh, yep zilch i think was the name of the song yep yeah it was zilch i think that was on headquarters maybe yeah something I, like that yeah but yeah i remember that song did and, you ever and, see uh did you ever get a chance to see head yeah i don't own the movie because i was stupid and i never bought it but i've seen the movie it's a good yeah. movie and and and, it, and and this is how good it was and they got help to make the movie if it yeah. wasn't for, if it wasn't for frank zappa and Jack Nicholson, and it would have never got made. Yeah, but Jack Nicholson, yeah, but Nicholson and Zappa, they, 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 they understood it. They knew what was going on. Yeah. So yeah. they went. So they, so they, you know, they put in some money and they influenced some people, and they got their, uh, they got their chance, and it came out. I know it bombed, but you know, that's that's the theme song I used for mine. Jack, I had Michael J. make. I love the Porpoise song. And I love the beginning where they're running across the bridge and it's all silent at first. And all you hear is all these girls screaming and chasing them. And then they jump off the bridge. And then that's when the music starts when they go underwater. And it's just, I just, the porpoise song is my favorite monkey song of all time. But yeah, I, I head was a good movie. Yeah. I've never got to see it. I've always wanted to, but I've never found a copy. Um, you know, I haven't really looked for it too much, but always something I wanted to check out. Oh, that's cool though, man. I'm glad you got something kind of unusual on, on your list, you know, that, uh, it's, it's good to know. I'll definitely give the album a, a check, you know, I'll check it out. All right. So hit us up with number three. I guess we're on to number three. This is going to be a tie, but it's only a tie because it's basically kind of the same artist and I couldn't decide which one of the two. I know it's not fair because it adds more than five, but my number three is Mr. Bungle's self-titled album. Uh, sometimes people call it Warner Brothers, the Warner Brothers album, uh, which is a tie also with Angel Dust by Faith No More, uh, only because I'm a, a Mike Patton fanatic. Um, okay. Mr. Bungle, I was already into Faith No More. Um, already loved them, thought they were totally cool and weird. But when somebody gave me a copy of Mr. Bungle, they're like, oh, man, I don't know if you're going to like it. It's not really heavy metal, and it, you can't really describe it. <sighs> From the first album, the first listen, I, I, I wore the tape out. I actually had five copies because I'd either wear out the tape or it'd get stolen or something would happen. And I bought it on tape. I bought it on CD. I've uh, been wanting to get it on vinyl for so long, but have you ever heard Mr. Bungle before? I mean, any other? Yeah, I, I, I think the one you had that first one. I was the one that had that John Travolta on it, right? Yeah, Travolta. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I had called quote unquote. I think, or is that a different yeah. song? Oh God, I, more on. I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. But no, I had that first one because it had that obnoxious, real up close clown face on the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did get the first one, but I bought it. I didn't know it was Mike Patton. And 
I listened to it and I liked it, but I still didn't know. I didn't find out it was the same dude until way later when I know I was like, you know, someone said, you know, you know, faith, no more. That's, that's the faith, no more guy. I'm like, no, yeah. Can't be. And he was like, yeah. And then it makes sense. You know, when I got older, you know, it made me, he, he did a voice Mike Patton in this move in this game called the darkness. Yep. This I have it. I bought it just because of Mike Patton actually. Yeah. You know, so it makes the, the zombie voices and I am legend too. See, so I was like, I was like, okay, this guy is, you know, very talented. And then when I, I you know, when I, while I was playing the darkness, it took me back to, I can't, you know, now I know why I didn't know it was him. Cause he sounded different and the way the music was in the background and everything. But I was already, well, we were already adults when Mr. Bungle came out. I do believe, weren't we? Well, were we? No, nah, I was only 17 uh, when Mr. Bungle first came out. Well, so I, I wouldn't even been 16 uh, when Mr. Bungle, when I first heard him, I remember, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in a Burger King parking lot uh, with a couple of my friends and they had just bought it from music land and Cindy was her name. And she got, Oh, you're not going to like this Murray. It's, it's Mike Patton, but you know, you're not going to dig it. And I'll just put it on. Let me check it out. And Holy shit, man. By the time, uh, you know, the, the uh, squeeze me macaroni came on and <laughs> you, know, you know what that's all about. And yes. uh, like the girls of porn and all that stuff. And I always thought in my mind, if I could make a band, I would want it to sound like Mr. Bungle. Mr. Bungle would be the, the most ideal band, you know, like a cross between white zombie and Mr. Bungle together, uh, you know, and, and Mike Patton, I'm abs- I'm a fanatic. I have pretty much, well, that's a bold statement. I have quite a lot of stuff that he's done. Uh, from like he's in 10 different bands or whatever and um you know but it, my favorite works by him uh, will always be mr bungle one and and angel dust because angel dust i mean man i still bust that album out at least once a year you know just faith no more just mike Patton in general is he's my dude man now angel dust is a great album but my favorite one on that album would be uh, Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, Midnight Cowboy was great. I got to see Faith No More, and when they did that live, it was it was awesome. Mike Patton had this like one of those little toy keyboards that you blow into, and he was doing the the main solo part. And uh, I got to see Mr. Bungle twice, and uh, Faith No More also twice. Uh, I guess uh, life changing stuff. Michael J says jizz lobber jizz lobber. Yeah, dude, of course (laughs) that song was unreal, man. Back in the day, you know, it's still cool, man. (laughs) Just, uh, you know, just saying jizz lobber though. Kind of, kind of just rolls off the tongue, I guess there. I like faith no more. And I do prefer Mike Patton to the original singer, but I did like the stuff yeah. that he did. Yeah, yeah but, Chuck's fine. I got the Chuck albums too, but those will are a different thing for me. I will admit that due to the radio and due to MTV, there was a span there where if Epic came on, oh, dude, don't I even turned it off because I, it was. We both can agree on that. To me, 
I hate Epic. I love Faith No More. I love the album, The Real Thing, but I will skip Epic every single time. And nothing burns my goat more than uh, when I tell people I'm like a Faith No More fanatic and they're like, oh, what is it, man? You know, don't you like that Epic too? And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was good. Until they, good. Yeah, it was good until they played it forever. Yeah. Epic. Epic is one of those it Epic is up there with me where it the where it was killed by the mainstream. Epic is one of yeah. those songs just just like uh Mother from Danzig is like yeah, it got yeah. killed cuz MTV MTV never wanted to touch any of his stuff and then the Mother video came out cuz it's just him live and they're like played it and then you know it's everywhere and it, it's like dude I can't even I can't even when I did my music moment on the on Danzig's album, I left Mother off, yeah. and you'll never hear it on the sideshow. No matter how much somebody begs, Rhodes yeah. could even request it, and I'd be like, denied. Yeah, too much. I mean, if you're gonna pick a Danzig song, that's like it's the same way exactly with Faith No More. What you're saying is, you're gonna request Faith No More. Don't request Epic. You know, yeah, just don't. I but that's what I love about Angel Dust because Angel Dust came out. And it was like a, a big fuck you to the whole mainstream, you know, like everybody wanted another epic and another, you know, hip hoppy song or whatever. And it really was nothing like that. It was so different and so kind of dark and everything. And they really won me over as a band on that album. And that one had the, that, that one had the, uh, Lana Richie cover too on it, didn't it? Well, that was in between. Uh, okay. We did an EP called Songs to Make Love To. And, oh, okay. Uh, uh, Easy was on there. But Easy oh. was another big one that I was, just made me fall in love with them right away. You know, just dig it. But Mr. Bungle's first album, classic, perfect album. Can't beat it. I, yeah, I suggest anybody out there that's never heard Mr. Bungle. I mean, nowadays it's easy to find. Just go on YouTube, um, right. but you should you should check it out. It's something that you that will even if you don't like it, it'll still live with you for the rest of your life. Yeah, for sure. It's so different and weird, and there's nothing like it. It's it's the perfect mix, in my opinion, of funk, thrash, pop, rock, everything you could think of. Disco. Um, I do with Mr. Bungo though. I I have to say, if you're gonna dive into them kind of save the album disco violante till last that one is it's a different album it's hard to swallow it's a completely different animal than the first album and it was a hard pill to swallow at first but swallow it i did i still love it but a new listeners kind of just that's that's the one you should kind of stay away from you know um yeah, yeah. But you know us, us hardcore bungleheads. You know we'll we'll bust out disco violante any day of the week. Now, what you got? What you got, brother Paul? Uh, all right, this one is another one that's probably going to be a head scratcher. Um, my number three is Center Field by John Fogerty. Holy smokes, man! I would not have thought that in a million years. Now, yeah. I love some old CCR, but I can't tell you I've heard much of anything. 
from Fogarty Solo. So tell your tale, my friend. All right. Well, I, my dad is a huge baseball fanatic. I know he's sold off his collection and stuff because he's getting up in years. And, you know, after my stepmother passed, he's just a lonely guy. And uh, he's been selling off his stuff. But he had a huge collection of baseball cards, baseball memorabilia. He, like, you know, he lives, he, he's lived in Georgia all his life. And he even bought, uh, he's got, uh, not only did he get a piece of Wrigley Field, or not Wrigley Field, a piece of old Kaminsky Park. He, he got one, someone went up and got him the brick. When he also got a chair, he got the entire, there's like a bleacher section he's got. So it's two of the original bleachers from Kaminsky Park in his basement. I don't know if he still has them, but he's a big baseball fan. And that was one of the things, I didn't have the best relationship with my dad. And that was the one thing that we both liked. I love baseball. He loves baseball. And it was always memorable driving to the Braves games and him playing the CD center field. And it sticks with me. So when I hear the album, it makes me think of the good times that right. I had with my dad. So that's why I picked that one. Um, it's got great songs on it. Center field. You know, rock and roll girls. It's just yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. And it does have the feel of he didn't, you know, a lot of the older, older, you know, 70s stars when they got into the 80s, a lot of them actually tried to go a little pop sounding, but yeah. I always felt center field kinda if CCR I, when I listen to center field, I can honestly say, yeah, if his brother hadn't died and CCR had stayed a thing that they would have manifested into this anyway. Yeah, I think, yeah, CC, Centerfield would definitely be a CCR song if they would have. I mean, we all know that CCR is Fogarty anyway. You know, I mean, without him, you know, I don't want to talk shit on him, but without Fogarty, I mean, that's that's the lifeblood of CCR right there, you know? Right. But God, I got to listen to that album, my... You know, as far as it being an influential album, I certainly like the song. And isn't there down the road? Is that on there? Yeah, the old man down the road. Lines down the road. Yeah, that's yeah. a good. You see, it, and 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 it also showed me that the older bands, because you got to remember, at this time, the only time I heard CCR was either on the in the car on a on the radio or you remember me and you come from the generation where we're watching tv and time life books presents rounds <laughs> of the 70s. 70s yeah yeah and and you'd always hear you know one of the ccr songs when they're all the song names are scrolling up the screen and you'd hear an old ccr song it ain't me it ain't me you know yeah, yeah. so i didn't John Fogarty is the first guy from those days that really, you know, grabbed me. Like, this is good stuff. It was him. Yeah. It, it was close. It was either going to be Centerfield or it was going to be George Harrison because, and that was another one my dad liked, uh, Cloud Nine. You know, yeah, and I did, yeah. I did, I did a grandpa's playlist on Cloud Nine, but yeah, I, I saw had, to go, I saw that. yeah, but I had to, I had to go with Centerfield because of the whole fact that, you know, I loved it. It wasn't too popish because there were some songs on cloud nine, you know, I got my mind set on you. That was really like pop sounding, 
Like, yeah. I feel even if the Beatles were still together, that song would have never made it on an album, you know? No, because it was, it was too bubblegummy. But, you but know, I've never story- heard Cloud Nine all the way through. I'm not going to lie. I'm a McCartney guy. Uh, you know, I like some of John Lennon's solo stuff and can appreciate George and Ringo and, of course, listen to some of their stuff except that sweet 16, your beautiful tune, whatever. But I'm a McCartney guy myself. But uh, I'll, I'll definitely give Cloud Nine a chance one of these days, and listen to Center Field because I think yeah, I think you yeah, like it. That's my, my, my favorite can... on the. Go ahead, my, go ahead, man. My my favorite on the album is the Rock and Roll Girls. It's it's like, yeah, it's like like I said, like I said, this album doesn't feel popish to me, and you know, with the good memories of my dad and spending time with them at the baseball games and listening to him boo the braves even though that's who we were there to see it just it was was a great thing so the album is it did influence me maybe it should have been five but i put it up higher just because of the 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 good memories with my pop right right and you know it's making me think of some of the albums that i i left off that i should have should have went with i kind of bogged it down with a lot of metal but there's there was a lot of albums that weren't metal that uh that I was into as well. But yeah, CCR, I, I listened to a lot of them. My dad, for some reason, had a, he did not like CCR. And all he would tell me was, I was on a really long trip. And the only album they had was CCR's greatest hits. And this motherfucker played it for eight hours straight. And I'll never listen to him again. I'm like, okay, Pops. I think he's softened a little bit, you know. I thought it was Vietnam at first, but he said it wasn't. He said it wasn't Vietnam. It was a different trip, but another dad story there, I guess. Yeah. Well, that. Go ahead. Well, as I say, that one CCR song was like very another thing of commercialization. Remember when Born on Fourth of July came out? That Tom Tom Cruise one. Yeah. Yeah. That fortunate son was playing all over the place during. Oh yeah. My band. Fortunate son yeah. too. That's the one CCR song that goes on the list with Mother and Epic. I, I gotta no, no. Yeah, I still love. I like Fortunate Son more than I like Epic though. So, <laughs> but, well, I guess we're at number two, huh? Yes. Number two probably be a kind of a cliche choice, but it had to be on there. It's the Almighty Pink Floyd, The Wall. It. uh can't honestly say it was my first concept album uh, because that would go to Operation Mind Crime uh, was the, the first concept album that I really sunk my teeth into. But the wall was kind of like the introduction soundtrack to my drug use during my teens, you know, like smoking pot and doing acid and all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't want to air all my dirty laundry, but you know, it's, you kind of guess that it's, I had a past like that, but the wall, man, the wall to me is the best produced album I've ever heard. Um, I think Bob Ezrin did it. Uh, the concept of it is, is so highbrow. The movie was fantastic. Um, and I love it because, it hits me different 
the older I get, you know, like it hit me a certain way when I was a teenager. Then when I was in a young adult, then my late twenties, early thirties, it felt different. And, you know, now that I'm almost 50, uh, you know, it, it feels like something different as well. And just, you know, Pink Floyd, just amazing, amazing band, you know, uh, you know, you could have went with Dark Side or something like that, but for me, the wall was, the wall is to me is a absolutely perfect, flawless record. All killer, no filler. Feels great. Songs are amazing. The artwork. So that's my number two, man. Pink Floyd. Got to see him live in two uh, uh, 1993 on the Division Bell tour. Best That's concert the one. I've ever seen. The, you so you went to the division. I went to the uh a momentary lapse of reason. I I, I went to yeah. the, I went on that. I went to that tour with my buddy Jason. With um, the, the bed flying in the air and all that shit. Yeah, planes and stuff. Yeah, man. I love I love Floyd too. I've been a fan of theirs. Um, I remember my dad playing it when I was little. I'm surprised. I should have put one on. See, now it's a regret because I should have put you know one on there because. You know, my favorite Pink Floyd album is the, uh, almost all their albums are concepts, but yeah. my favorite album of theirs is uh, Adam Hart Mother. So I didn't get into that, I own it, I have it, but I didn't absorb that one as much as like an Animals or Umaguma or something like that. Um, Adam Hart's the one that I haven't really touched. You know, yeah, so, oh, it, uh, I, I I love is the first the first part is like diff- set up to you know volume you know it's it's like track one and then it's got like a b c d where it's got all this instrumental stuff like alan's psychedelic breakfast and it's got you know a lot of good instrumental stuff in there and then it gets into the, the songs later like fat old son is on there and right. it, it's just a, it's just a really good album and it's mellow and whenever I'm having, you know, I could be having a bad day or be depressed or, you know, be teary eyed and I can put it on and just lay back and just absorb it. And it just, it just, I just love Adam Hart mother, but I've loved all their stuff. The very first thing that made me realize that they were something about this band was when my dad played me that I, I never can tell the whole name of the song, but it's the one about the little furry animals gathered together in a cave jamming to, it's got a long ass fucking title. Oh God, I have no idea. Let me let me see real quick. Let me look it up. Uh because I know the album. So when I see it, I will bring it up because they've had a lot of albums. But while I'm looking it up, I will say this. It was on the Umaguma. I will right. say this. The only the only disappointing thing for me was uh wait, here it is. It's called Several species of small furry animals gathered together in a cave and grooving with a pit, P-I-C-T, guitar pit. So, yeah, that that was, that's from 69. That was, that's when I realized they were, there was something different about these guys. But the one thing that I always got upset of, I saw The Wall, the movie, before I had the soundtrack. So when I got my hands on the soundtrack, I was pissed off that, when the that, Tigers broke free, wasn't on the goddamn album. And, and we uh, had to yeah, wait later. What? That song, uh, uh, The Empty Spaces, uh, to fill the empty Oh, yeah. That, yeah. 
that that yeah it, well it is when the tigers break free isn't it that's the second part of it right uh when the tigers break free was the part where um they show at the beginning where his dad is in the trench and he's sweating and he's riding oh, under yeah, the okay. all right yeah. all right I, i'm getting mixed up but yeah. but no i know that, exactly what you mean that, that i was so pissed that the album didn't have uh didn't have those bonus tracks like the movie did. Yeah, and, the, when uh, the Tigers when the Tigers broke free, it didn't come out until the final cut. It was on the final cut, but I was always, why did they put it there and not? So that's why I said I don't. Roger Walters is a dick, so who knows why he did it? Ah, uh, fuck Roger Walters, man. I love him. I mean, you know, I love his music and all that, but I just, you know, I can leave him. He doesn't that new stuff. Oh my god. I don't want to talk too bad about it, but uh, it, the new stuff he's putting out, the the remakes of uh, Dark Side, yeah, it's it's I can't stand it. I mean, if you dig it, more power to you. But I, I just think it's it's like Tom Waits without the Tom Waits. I love Tom Waits, but he I don't know he's something didn't, sucks. Didn't Roger Waters like hate Bob Geldof like? He didn't like that he was playing pink. Wasn't that the wasn't something there some bad effect? Yeah, there was there was some kind of bad blood there, you know. And he didn't really like the way he sang that song when yeah. he was, you know, when he in the when flesh he, or whatever. Yeah. No, the one where he was in the audience, and that one's a coon, and that yeah, one's I, a I think, I think that's the the song's the title is in the flesh, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And Roger one and two, yeah. And so, Waters, I think it was Waters. Is I can't stand the way this guy sings. I want to do it. And the studio's like, no, no, because Bob wants to. And I don't know. I guess Bob had some weight back in the day, even though I had never heard of Bob Geldof until yeah, I saw. I mean, him. you know, the, you know, when people talk about big influential bands, I don't hear anybody say the Boomtown Rats. You know, uh, I don't know what the deal with Geldof was either. I just know him from the wall and what was that live aid or something farm aid or something. Yeah. He put together live aid. Yeah. 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 But I, I couldn't it? tell you a single song he sang. Maybe, uh, maybe one, I think that I, I kind of vaguely know. Couldn't tell you the title though. I'm going to look that up. I think I, I can't. Now I'm trying to remember if it was live aid. Or if it was Hands Across America. Or, I think it was Live Aid. Because it was uh, such a big deal. And Geldof was in charge. And... Well, he's still alive. That he's saying it was something like, I don't like Mondays or something like that. I, maybe that's a totally different band. I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, he was in the... Oh, wait. He was in the Boomtown Rats, which you had mentioned. Yeah, he was also okay. He's got a daughter named Pixie. I'll tell you yeah, something, yeah. but um, he was in Band Aid. But yeah, yeah, the the I remember Band Aid. Wasn't that yeah. the, the Feed the World song? Let them know it's Christmas. He did. He did it. He did it in '89. He did it in 2004, then he did it again in 2014. And they had, yeah, they, oh, okay, yeah, that had to have been Feed the World, because it had Robert Bell from Cool and the Gang, 
Bono, Boy George, Pete Briquette from the Boomtown Rats, Adam Clayton from U2, Phil Collins, Chris Cross, Simon Crow. I mean, this thing had everybody on it. Right. And, you know, George Michael. So I do think it was the people. Yeah. But yeah, he was, a, he's a big activist. He's a, he's a, he's a very big activist. Well, he's kind of a nobody now. I mean, I haven't heard about Bob Geldof in 30 some years. Well, just, I think just to us, because yeah. he is actually, he's actually sir. So he was knighted. So yeah, he had to have done something decent, I guess. Huh? He, he was like on a, he did. Yeah. It was live aid. He did. He was on the commission for Africa the Africa progress panel, uh, data in one campaign. They did a thing, a night for the Ukraine and AIDS thing in 2014. So yeah, he's a big, big activist. So all right. So he's not I'll really it back. He's a, he's a phil- philanthropist, I guess. Yeah. Just, hey, uh, at least, at least he's not, you know, at least he doesn't, at least he's not from the Bill and Melinda Gates foundation. You know, at least he's <laughs> doing it. In, you know, yeah, dude, I hate Bill Gates. So everybody knows, just I hate Bill Gates. His name I hate is him too. Skin Crawl. And I don't hate him just because of his political whatever that I'm I'm just talking about how Windows has sucked for like 40 years. Yeah. It's always yeah. So I, I hate him for the you know for non-political stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about you know computers. You know, this one here I'm using can't won't update. The one in my bedroom won't update, and then right. it, it's so fuck some Bill Gates. And that man, that piece of shit, man, his first job was for IBM to go in and write viruses to test their system. Systems are to find viruses. So, you know, man, the motherfucker made Windows, made it as buggy as hell, and then sold you the cure. And this is the guy that we trust pushing vaccines on people? Get out of here, man, little creep motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, Bill Gates. If you're listening, you can suck my dick. Pardon my if friend. Bill, if Bill Gates is watching, I'll eat my shorts. Yeah, you know, I might be. I, I might eat my words if he's actually watching, but <laughs> probably not. I don't like the guy. But I, anyway, what's your number two, Paul? Okay, I don't think anybody probably. I did a music moment on this one. Um, I don't know if anybody is going to know what this one is. It was a compilation album. And it was called Let Them Eat Jelly Beans. What the fuck, man? You are a weird dude. Who, what is that <laughs> all about? Who's that? Okay, I will bring up, I'm going to share my screen. So let me open okay. up another tab here and I'll show everybody. So let me go to present here, share my screen. All right, we'll share this new tab. Okay, so you can see it. Okay. So, let them eat jelly beans. It's a compilation album, and it was on Alternative Tentacles. Oh, well, there you go. That record label was uh, Jello by Offer's record label. Yeah. And these are some of the songs on it. Uh, Everyone's a Bigot by the Oafs. Uh, jokes on you from Christian Lunch, yeah. Nazi punks fuck off by the Dead Kennedys. I know that um, one. Yeah. The Prisoner by DOA. Okay. Slave to my dick by the Subhumans. Isotope soap by Giza X. 
paid vacation from the Circle Jerks. I got a police story. Police story from Black Flag. Pay to come from the Bad Brains. And one of my favorites, Jesus entering from the rear by the feeders. Nice. Well, that's that's a nice title. Yeah. So, but and then there, like I said, here's the you know this is the album cover, and it actually has, uh, it's Ronald Reagan on the flag, and it says, uh, "Let them eat jelly beans." Twelve extracts from America's darker side. Nice. And the reason, right. And the reason why I picked that album was because it was my first punk album. It was the first one that. I got. And because it was a compilation, I don't remember why my dad had a friend. Um, his name was, I do believe I can't, I think his name was Craig and he owned record stores. And because my dad was in the, my dad was in the music business. Um, and, uh, he, knew you know he he knew a lot of guys who owned record stores um and he owned this record store it was called eat more records okay and craig was a big guy craig was a big guy um he had a little toy he had a i think it was a little dotson the only way he could drive it they had to take the front seats out he had to drive it from the back seat and he took up the entire back seat this guy was probably pushing 500 pounds sounds like me he was a big oh he no you 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 look like uh, Peter Dinklage next to this guy right. so so but he was fucking I miss the guy he was great but he would let me go through his stuff and he was the first guy that introduced me to uh, this X-rated uh, black artist called Blowfly oh yeah I know who that is yeah yeah so he introduced me to that um he's where I got my first two life crew album from. Um, he also, but he had this, let them eat jelly beans. I'm like, what is this? He goes, oh, you should try it. It's good. So I took it and I don't know if my dad ever paid for this stuff because, or if they were just friends and he would credit them. I don't know how it worked, but I would take stuff. I didn't pay. So I'm not saying I stole it. He let me have it, but I don't know if my dad paid for it or not, but I took it home and I was in amazement. Like I said, that song, Jesus entering from the rear, the lyrics are the lyrics are exactly Jesus entering from the rear, fucking you in the ass. That's that's the chorus. And it is like the first song that ever made me think, you know, maybe I shouldn't believe everything I'm told. That whole album is fucking awesome. And it, like I said, it introduced me to punk music. And if it wasn't for that album, I may never listen to punk music. But since then, you know, Dead Kennedys, by all the bands on there, you know, when Jello Biafra left, uh, Dead Kennedys. He did an album with uh, Jorgensen, right? Um, yeah, Lard, Lard. Yep, yeah, Lard. Yeah, and both, like, of, both of the Lard albums. I loved it. Yeah. So it's like I'm glad I found the album, and that's why I picked it because it. This one literally influenced me because I had never heard any punk music, you know. And this was back before. This was I got the album obviously a couple years after it came out. I didn't get it right away, so it was later. But I was still young enough to, you know, to be like, holy shit, you know. And back then there was, it wasn't, a, it wasn't associated with skaters yet. Maybe another year or two when all the punk music was. But like I said, it opened the door for so much. The Misfits, you know, not the, not the, not the new Misfits with, you know, whatever, but, you know. Right. I'm talking about it introduced me to, you know, the Misfits, Sam Hain, all sorts of punk music. And I'm appreciative of it. 
And that's what I try to, you know, talk to my wife about. And we will argue a little bit. She listens to the punk channel on Sirius. And sometimes I'll hear songs on there that I don't feel they're punk. I feel they're more pop punk. And I'm not talking about Avril Lavigne, but I'm talking about there's some stuff on there that I'm like, man, you know, punk's not. When I was a kid, you know, punk was always anti-establishment, anti-government. Yeah, and, and ugly, the, the, you know, political yeah. and stuff. And yeah, dude, the I new, can't stand pop punk. I, I no. just. Yeah, the new ones, they don't sing about, they don't sing about that stuff. So to me, this album introduced me to the, you know, scream at the establishment, you know, piss on the wall and fucking, you know, don't believe everything the government's telling you and. You know, this may have been my first step into conspiracy theories, but it was an awesome album and punk music just it felt raw, it felt natural, it felt real. I fucking enjoyed it. So that's why it made number two because it's like just you know, it, you know, if I want to sound, you know, like a weirdo, I could say it's a very beautiful album, but it's not because it's in your face. But it's ugly, it yeah, is. you know. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's a really cool choice because uh you know, alternative tentacles. You know, I I got a a compilation from them myself. It was, but it was a a band's playing tribute to uh, uh, to to Dead Kennedys. It was a bunch of different bands doing Dead Kennedys songs and everything. And you know, all the bands you listed off are are great punk bands. And I can honestly say that I don't have as much knowledge about punk as I do about you know metal and hard rock and stuff like that. But, uh, um, you know, definitely I can appreciate it. You know, I got a, a couple Bad Brains albums and certainly heard uh, tons of Black Flag and, and Dead Kennedys and stuff like that. But cool choice, man. That's uh, definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Well, I guess we're, I guess we're at number one. And I hate to say that this is my most influential album. Because there's so many more albums that like have hit me over the years. But this one, I picked it as number one because this is the album down to the minute where my life changed. When I first heard this album, I was not the same person after I was done listening to it. And that is Master of Puppets by Metallica. No, okay. it seems like a cliche choice, you know, metalheads or Metallica or whatever. But Metallica, before that, I was like, you know, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Wasp and Poison and Cinderella and, and all that. And really didn't get my feet wet with the real heavy speed metal. But, uh, you know, you remember those old Columbia House uh, things you could get like 10 tapes for a penny or whatever. And I, I ordered it, uh, had no idea what they sounded like at all. And just went out on a whim because I saw, I saw something in a mad magazine where a guy was wearing a Metallica shirt and I'm like, Oh, you know, it's this Metallica band must be pretty cool if they're in mad magazine, you know? So I ordered the tape, uh, and I'm getting ready to, to go to the mall on the bus. And I cracked the tape open and put it in my Walkman, sat down in the bus and played it. And the first notes of battery hit, I was like, whoa, this is fucking cool. You know, the acoustic part. Then when the heavy part hit, my life was totally different at that point. I was like, 
and I was mesmerized. I, I was like, oh my God, this is, there's nothing like this. This is the most incredible kick-ass shit I have ever heard. And from that moment on, I was completely obsessed with speed metal. I mean, I went out and got all the Metallica records pretty much the next week. And then it was on to Megadeth. And I have a lifelong obsession with Megadeth. And then, of course, Anthrax and Overkill and Testament and Suicidal and just all the, you know, real heavy bands. I wouldn't be here without Master of Puppets. Uh, you know, I do think it's Metallica's best. Um, I don't know if I especially like, uh, you know, the Metallica the way it is now. You know, I don't hate them. I respect it and everything. It just doesn't, it doesn't hit me the way it used to back in the day. You know, so as far as life-changing albums go, you know, Master of Puppets is where it's at. I can honestly say I'm more of a fan of Megadeth and Anthrax than Metallica, but but Metallica definitely paved the way. You know, I bought, God, man, I got Injustice the day it came out. I was at their party for the Black Album in Madison and bought Load when it came out, bought Reload the day it came out, so on and so forth. And then I kind of, well, I, God, I bought Death Magnetic when it came out. I bought St. Anger the day it came out. God, what a piece of shit that was. <laughs> what a disappointment. But yeah, that is my number one pick out of this top five. I could easily turn around and give you guys another whole, another five albums that did it for me. But in our first round, Master of Puppets is is my most influential album. Yeah, I I I love Metallica. I've owned I I like you. I got them right away. I even got load and reload. I I went out at midnight. I lived in Kentucky. I went out at midnight, grabbed said anger because it came with a DVD. There was two, it was yeah. a CD and a DVD. And the DVD and sounded came, better than the album. But okay, I that's came home. <laughs> I came home and I was excited. Wife was excited. I do believe we were gonna fool around to some Metallica. Well, that's and a I put it, deal. and I I put it on, and I was sitting there, and she was sitting there, and we went one song, two song, three songs. We didn't have sex that night. That album I, sucked. I I don't blame you, Paul. If you told me that, yeah, we we put on Saint Anger, and we just got cranking, man. You know, it just I'd be like, no, man, you are you are a weird motherfucker, dude. And like, uh, I and I have not bought a Metallica album since. I uh, had I listen I listened to them Death Magnetic I've listened to SM2 I've listened to all of them from streaming but I have not bought an album St. Anger was the last album I bought I was uh, like Death, yeah Death Magnetic was my last one and that's because it was kind of cool my band was playing a show and the release party for Death Magnetic at midnight was at this uh exclusive company I don't know if you remember where that was if you got to go yeah, there it's, it, yeah, it's gone. gone it's gonna be now. a do dominoes. It's gonna be a dominoes. Yeah, now. yeah, that's sad, but I get it. But yeah, they had a big uh, release party for it, and I, I took my money from the show and uh, went and bought Death Magnetic. But I'm the same way. I didn't buy Hardwired. I didn't buy Seventy Two Seasons. Um, 
you know, streamed them both. Don't really have anything negative to say about either one. But, you know, I got yelled at for this because I said it online. But I think, I don't know, that it just feels kind of generic now. You know, I, I just, I don't, it's still good. It's still Metallica, but it just feels kind of neutered. I guess, or maybe we're just old and they're old. And well, what can we do? there's something special about Metallica because, like I said, I haven't bought an album since, but yet when I bought Black Acid Devil from Danzig, and I was like, This is the shit. What does he think he is? Trent Reznor? I hated it, but I have still bought his albums after. There's just yeah. something about I gotta, I, I don't know, there's something about me, Metallica, and Metallica's Lars that just, yeah, well, I don't know. There you go, and I, I agree with you. There's something so off-putting about Lars that, because I think, in my opinion, I think the motherfucker sabotaged Saint Anger with that stupid ass drum sound. You know what I mean? Like he, I heard the stories about how he took Jason out of the mix in Injustice for All, and I thought that was such a fucking dick move. You know, like sacrificing the album for some kind of power play and then you know you watch some kind of monster and see how it was in the studio and i purposely think he whined and cried until he could have that stupid tom sound i, I don't know i just i yeah i'm not a lars fan i was but not anymore i'm gonna say this right now and i want you, Mr. Michael J, to clip this because I want Rhodes to see it because Rhodes will love it. I am saying here on the record, people of my generation will get it. Maybe the younger people won't. But I will say my generation, Lars Ehrlich, is my generation's Roger Waters. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. Yep. I will and I'm not going to... Yeah, and I'm not going to go into detail and go on a rant and spend 20 minutes because I could. I'm just saying, he's my generation's Roger Waters. Read about Roger Waters. Listen to my shows when I talk about Roger Waters, and you'll be like, "Hmm." You may not agree with me, but it's food for thought. But that that that's that's directly, boom boom at Rhodes because me and him, we have our little tiff about Metallica. So yes, he is my generation's Roger Waters. I I, 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 I totally agree. I mean, he. He's just, he's fucking Lars. That's all you can say. He don't even get along with anybody. I mean, him and him, that like you said, that's some kind of monster. I was waiting for James to pick him up by the throat and slam him on a table and beat his ass. You know yeah. what I mean? Lars, lot, yeah, and, and for James, you know, he was going through an alcohol and stuff thing going then. You think he would have, like, got triggered and been like, fuck this guy. Because I right. just, I don't know how he kept his composure. That I give James so much credit for never fucking manhandling him. I just, I well, totally we don't know. He might've, you know, we've never seen behind the scenes. They could have had, you know, Hadfield could have beat him up and we just don't know about it. That's something I like to fantasize about. Cause I won't say, anything, I won't say anything ill about James, man. James, no. the coolest motherfucker. He's awesome. But And then, and then you got uh, Kurt. Who's like it's kind of out of place because he's so small. He saw great fucking guitar player. I'm just saying he's small. He doesn't seem like you know what I mean. He's soft spoken. 
He seems yeah, like, like doesn't he, seem like he, he has much power. In no, that, uh, but but he seems like he's the intelligent guy. He's the guy that you know that Lars and James would turn to for like certain things, like you know how would this affect our taxes? I just, Kurt comes off as the intelligent guy in the band. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. But, and I take this to my grave, Robert Trillo, like I said on my show, I do not, I do not hate him for joining Metallica. You got to go with the money. I get it. But he was, he's too good to to be in that band. Yeah. dude. I mean, infectious grooves, man. Infectious grooves. And, uh, Black Label, he was in Black Label for a long time, yep. and Suicidal, of course, dude. And even and, some of the suicidal songs that he played, yeah. he could really groove to the bass. And oh, yeah. in Metallica, he's kind of, it's drums, you know? And it's like, I hear yeah. the bass when he plays, but he's not playing like I think, I mean, he should be letting loose. I don't know why he doesn't do solo stuff when they're can, on their downtime. I mean, that's, that's one thing that's always been a strickler for, for James and Lars, is that when you get in Metallica, you know, that's why Jason left because he wanted to do echo brain and they said, no, you can't. So yeah, with Robert, man, I was, I felt the same way. I was like, fuck man, Metallica's getting Robert trio. And then I thought to myself, no, dude, that means that he's going to be like stuck in that box, you know, like he can't, maybe they've changed their stance on it, but you know, I got to see Robert in a little tiny club in Edgerton. He was with uh, Black Label Society. And I was right. I was so close, man. You could smell these motherfuckers, man. And he just just a kick-ass bass player. Loved him. Loved it. Yeah, I don't and see, I brought this up last night on my show. Bands spend so much time together, they, they get at each other's throat. They start get. I think it's more healthy for a band to say, okay, it's our downtime. Why don't you go do whatever you want to do? You can't tour. Make as many albums as you want with as many people. Just you can't tour because when it's our turn, it's our turn. I think it would relieve some of the stress. And Metallica needs to let these, you know, Lars and James need to let them do their thing because they'll be, you know, it comes back fresh. Look at all the great, some of the greats. Molly Crew went through it. They were together too much. You know, so it's like, I mean, all of those guys, except for Mick, really. Uh, had a pretty good solo thing going on so you know it's i i agree but paul what is your number one my number one is along the same lines as you it's just a different band um i had heard like i said i, I listened to kiss and you know stuff like but i hadn't heard anything from you know judas priest and any any of that kind of stuff yet and i came across this album called Killing is My Business and Business is Good. Hell yeah. And I was like, holy shit. This was so fucking heavy and raw, I fell in love. I thought, dude, now this is what, this is like Kiss turned up to fucking 20. You know what I mean? Steroids, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh my God, I have to fucking, I, I couldn't stop. I listened to it. Now, I didn't ruin as many cassettes as you did, because... I had it on vinyl, but I thought it was the most magnificent wow. sound. It was heavy. It was awesome. And I remember my dad brought it. And I think it was the cover that had the leather S&M type mask on it yeah. with the bullet yeah. sticking out or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
so the, the, the album cover is what made me. I said, ooh, I want to hear this. So I took it upstairs. And I don't think my dad ever got it back. And I was just in amazement. And I couldn't I couldn't believe someone could play the guitar so fucking fast. And, you know, the, the drums were powerful. And then that's what right. opened the door. That's when I started listening to, you know, Judas Priest. You know, then I went to, you know, the Green Man of Monolishi and Electric Eye. And then I went, you know, and then. So that's what opened the door. And then I started listening to all kinds, you know, speed, you know, I would listen to the, the, I was, you know, Motley Crue, you know, but, but that fucking killing is my business. It just introduced me to, I didn't know there was that much heavy out there. You know, right, I didn't yeah, realize. Yeah. yeah. The same, uh, you know, the same kind of thing for Metallica. You got me by a couple years. You know, I didn't discover killing is my business till, till after, you know, cause I, Peace Cells for me, man. When I heard Peace Cells, Megadeth was my band, you know, instead of Metallica. I love Metallica, but Megadeth was. And then, you know, I got Kill Em All, and then I got Killing Is My Business, and God, those were good records. I can't believe you have an original, had an original pressing on vinyl. That's uh, that's pretty. I, I have no, I have no, I have no idea where my dad got it. Because I don't think there was a lot of them out there. No, there I just, wasn't. I just know that I was just that album cover grabbed me because all I, you know, before that, you know, because this was the '85, and all the stuff up to that point was I don't even think I had listened to. I don't think I had even listened to uh, uh, Motley Crue's uh, "Too Fast for Love" yet. I don't know. Yeah. I'm. I don't because I've gotten older and things get mixed in my head i might have heard some of the hair metal stuff before well no i take it back i did hear twisted sister before but still this but megadeth was a lot heavier than twisted sister yeah i mean and, megadeth is a totally different animal you know right and just those old yeah, classics, had, man can't be beat yeah i i had the but yeah i had the my i i i think it was I think it was combat. Combat was combat zone or combat record. Nope. Some about combat. Combat, it was combat records, yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember, like I said, I took it upstairs. He might have got it back. I don't know. I don't have it anymore. That's for sure. But I was like, I didn't think. Like I said, I didn't think someone could play guitar so fast. And then later on down the road, not too much farther from here, when I started reading magazines and talking to other metalheads and stuff, didn't realize. Hey man, did you know that guy used to be in Metallica? Yeah. No. Um, they're like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, damn. And then I thought about it for a while. And for a while there, I was one of those guys that thought Dave was an idiot. But the more I thought about it, it's like, no, he was, yeah, he let he could have had a lot more money than he has now if he hadn't have been drinking and getting foolish. But I think it was a blessing in disguise kind of thing. Yeah, because we got them both. You know, we got Metallica and Megadeth. And like I said, if you ask me, I think Megadeth, their output has been way more solid than Metallica. Like you listen to new Megadeth albums, they still fucking crank. They're still the one one that just came out. I like there's been some in there that were questionable, but I still like them. You know, yeah, um, me too. I mean, but you know, like it's even in the title, you know, like risk 
and uh, stuff like that. You know, it's just unusual, you know, and there was a couple other ones I can't think of right now, but the super collider. That yeah, one was super collider, that, that 13 or whatever it was. Yeah. The, the one where he was kind of trying to go with the Sabbath route kind of deal. You know, that was kind of strange too, but. And a lot of like, I, one of my, one of, I love, I love Breadline. That's a good song. A lot of people yeah, are like, oh, yeah. he went too soft. I will even say this again. And I don't know if I've ever told Rhodes, but I honestly, in my opinion, and my opinion doesn't matter, but in my opinion, I think Metal- Megadeth has the edge over Metallica. Metallica may I be agree. the bigger band and the, and the one who makes all the money, but I think Megadeth was a better band when it yeah, came to I, it. Me too, time. man. I, I, have always thought Megadeth was better. Um, you know, like, you know, Master of Puppets was life changing, but Megadeth, you know, God, just soundtrack to my childhood, pretty much, or my my teen years, I'd say. And and, and look, Megadeth did make some soundtrack uh, appearances. They were on yeah. uh, Last they were on the, Hero. Last Action Hero. Uh, Beavis and Butthead experience. Yep, yep. With ninety nine ways to die, which at one, which at one point, at one point that was the only way to hear that song. Because right, yeah, you know, I bought the whole, I bought the whole fucking soundtrack just to get ninety nine ways to die. And there was and a then, zombie song on there too called I think Feed the Gods or something like yep, that. Yep. That's and uh, Megadeth was also on the soundtrack to uh, Shocker. I just watched Shocker today, actually. Funny you mentioned that. No more Mr. Yeah. Nice Guy, man. Yep. Yeah. I had the cassette single for that. And it was so cool. It had like Vic Rattlehead coming out of this like lake of toxic waste and shit. It was it was pretty neat, man. I wish I still had it somewhere. But yeah, Megadeth. Megadeth is uh up there. So and like I said, because of them, I was introduced to Priest, uh, Anthrax, uh Iron Maiden, you know. Yeah, the so, whole bit, man. So you got right, to have yes. Megadeth first. That's pretty impressive. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh I think I'm gonna have to get going. Well, I'm gonna throw in one more. My guilty pleasure. I told you I'd say it at the end, and I okay. almost threw it in. George Michael's faith. Dude. I know, dude. You can yell it. You can you can yell and whatever. Dude. It's my favorite. It's my favorite pop album of all time. You know, dude, you know, you're young and just being stupid. And then, you know, I me and my girlfriend would listen to it. And you know, make fun of me i just ruined the whole episode man. <laughs> I, I i i i would have been okay with you know if you had said something from rush or it's the kind of magic from queen or something but right right now that's faith my guilty pleasure my favorite pop album of all time is george michael's faith Makes I will be... about girls and all that shit so we'll just leave I it alone be... you guys can pick I on will... me all you want now but that's my I will be pleasure. your father figure. Put your tiny hand in mine. You know, <laughs> it brings back memories, man. You know, like I got some memories to that song that uh, when I was much skinnier and better looking, you know, I. Uh, it wouldn't have hit me so hard as a shocker had it been like 
your number five, but it was even above your number five. I was like, I'm thinking, wow, you know. It would have been my number four probably, but I I took it out because I'm like, no, that album didn't really make me who I am today. It was just one of those albums where I get in a mood sometimes and I'll still put it on and goof out in my house and, you know, can just hear y'all yelling or whatever. I get it. There was a girl involved and it brings back memories. Unfortunately for me, I grew up in Georgia. So being a metalhead, I was in a very small, and I mean small, fucking group of people. So most of the girls that I went out with didn't like any of my music. So we didn't go out very long because they couldn't stand being around me. So I would have to say, I get it. I get it. If there was any girls, you know, that were, you know, maybe I had the link. When I got older, you know, there's some albums that, you know, I would play for the girls. But when I was a teenager, I was pretty strict about, you know, and this was the 80s. So, you know, somebody would be like, hey, you should play this for your girlfriend. And I'd be like, I'm not playing that gay shit. So, you know, yeah. it's like. And I right? agree. And it, it was very underground. Like I was certainly not going out and advertising, you know, because I would have got beat up too, man. You know, I was totally <laughs> yeah, in the Slayer and Testament shirt guy, Megadeth head. You know, if they caught me busting out George Michael, that's why I can't believe I just admitted it here online, man. I'm probably probably going to get my man card taken away or something, man. I mean, my metalhead friends, they were okay, you know, with, with the monkeys because at least, you know, it was it, – it was still, you know, they were, they, they had decent songs, but you know, well, we could see why you like it. The show is really fucking funny. So at least that was my past, but you know, George Michael was, you know, waking people up before he went go-go. It's like, hey, 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 that's a different George Michael, man. I'm not talking anything before faith or anything after faith, just that small little window where you know, right there, you know, the wake me up before you wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, or whatever. I, I'm not done with that. <laughs> but I, just for you, just for you, though, I will say this. There was a song that I liked, and I kept it under my hat. And I can't remember the name of the song, but it was on an album. I think it was the late 80s, getting ready to be in the 90s. And it was a song from Andrew Ridgely, the other half of Wham!, Oh, yeah, I and, think I know what you're talking yeah. about. And I would play it now, but it would get copyright, copyright striked. But right. on, my, on, my, on my show Wednesday, I'll play it. It's a really good song. He went, he tried to go in a different direction than George Michael. You know, he yeah, didn't want he, to. If I remember right, his stuff was more kind of like upbeat rock and rolly, right? Like, I think he, yeah, I he had one of his songs the other day. Yeah, it was it was it was it was it was rockish with a little sprinkle of pop, but it wasn't girly as hell like George Michael went. Right. So they both went two different directions, which kind of makes it make sense why there was a split. Because well, I don't want to do that kind of stuff. Okay, well then fuck it, let's just end it. I don't think they ended on a sour note though. I think they were still friends, but Andrew Ridge, but see, here's the thing. Andrew Ridgely, this song is really good, and I thought the album was pretty decent, but his career sputtered and died, where George's kept going. Yeah, and even well, after- he, you know, George had full label backing, and they were grooming him to be the star and stuff, so 
Andrew just kind of he just didn't have as much talent, you know. Right. And George gets we're talking about wham here. George gets caught trying to suck dick in a park bathroom. Yeah. And he yeah. still was getting love from the fans. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, it's okay. You know, it's okay. So it's like, hey, you know, you, you can do, do all this and fucking Andrew is still uh Andrew who? So yes, yeah. I am going to pl- I am going to play an Andrew Ridgely song. And I'm going to play it Wednesday. So people should tune in for that. Sounds good. All right. Well, I'm going to get in our, our ending song here. Sounds good. And, uh, I'm going to say that uh, we'll be back in two weeks with another list of some kind. Um, we're not going to do, uh, mu- you know, we're going to mix it up. Movies, music, TV, whatever. We'll figure it out. But we will be back in two weeks. Um, good. Next next Wednesday, Grandpa's Music Sideshow will be back, so check it out. And then that following Thursday, if Michael J. doesn't have a life and something to do, there will be a Mind Jacked. Um, still not going to say yet what the episode's about, but there will be a Mind jack next week. Um, if you have any questions or anything you want to say, Grandpa the Nerd at rabbitandredradio.com. And if you have any questions for Murray, you can send them to me, and I'll get them to Murray. I'll, I'll get them eventually. And on one final note, check out rabbitandredradio.com. Go to the drop-down box and find Rabbit and Red Films. Michael J's got two movies that are, like, awesome. And I haven't seen them yet, but I know they're awesome because, like I said last night, they're movies that were made with love. And on a budget so small, you could have fed a family of five at KFC. So it's worth checking out. There's the tab. Sends you to the website. He ain't even asking for a million dollars. Just, I think it's like $10 or $11. So check it out. It's Rabbit and Red Films. Check out his work. There's more stuff coming soon. Yours truly did the covers. So, and the, you know, the artwork for the disc. But he's got, uh, he's got some more movies coming. So with that being said, I guess I'll crank up the music a little bit. And uh, we'll get the hell out of here. So uh, thank y'all for tuning in. And if you didn't watch live, if you didn't watch live, but you're watching later or the next day or the next day, thank you too. Appreciate it, man. 